Hello, you're listening to the Cleveland Review of Books podcast. I'm your host and editor-in-chief, Billy Lennon. On today's episode, I will be reading Tony Mastromateo's Art and Fear on Peter Sloterdijk's Stress and Freedom, Coronavirus, and the Media's Production of Panic. So, Tony Mastromateo, who is our visual arts critic and editor, um, has a bachelor's degree in art history from Princeton that he got in 1992, which led to a five-year position at Christie's Auction House in New York City in the American Paintings, 19th Century Paintings, and Maritime Paintings and Objects Departments. As his exposure to the art world expanded, he began studying the practice of art after work at the Art Students League in New York City. In 1997, he made the transition to full-time art study at the Water Street Atelier, a school of art practice based on the methodology of the French Academy and the French Atelier system of the 18th and 19th centuries, under the tutelage of Jacob Collins. In 2002, he finished his studies and made the transition to working as a professional artist. He has worked solely as an artist since that time. He currently has representation with galleries in New York City, Los Angeles, and Cleveland. Anthony currently resides with his wife and daughter, Stella and Alba, in Akron, Ohio. LeBron James. Just kidding, just kidding. Peter Schlauterdyke is a philosopher, cultural theorist, and media studies um, professor in Germany who's most known for his Bubbles trilogy, which was put out by MIT Press's subsidiary Semiotexts. Um, and he's known also for his book, um, You Must Change Your Life, uh, which I read in lieu of Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life because I'm too cool for that shit. Sorry again for the informality, but Peter Sloterdijk is a much overlooked philosopher, and I was very excited that someone um, was willing to write about him. In any case, here's the piece. Art and Fear on Peter Sloterdijk's Stress and Freedom, Coronavirus, and the Media's Production of Panic by Anthony Mastromateo, published on March 5th. The book, published by Polity in 2011, spans 80 pages. Starting the essay now. Last week, I opened the link to my subscription to the New York Times online to the headline of the rising panic across countries and financial markets at the viral progress of the latest manifestation of coronavirus. The headline made my mind jump to an amazing short book that I found almost a year ago by one of my favorite thinkers, Peter Sloterdijk. The title, Stress and Freedom. In it, Sloterdijk argues the following. To quote him, We therefore have every reason to prepare ourselves for some rethinking about that real-life fabulous creature, society. Social theory is now only plausible as a theory of improbably large-scale bodies or, if one prefers, as a social physics of network agencies. The theory of large-scale bodies is a composite of stress theory, media theory, credit theory, organization theory, and network theory. In the present context, I intend to draw particular attention to the outstanding significance of a stress concept 
In my view, the large-scale political bodies we call societies should be understood primarily as stressed integrated force fields, or more precisely, as self-stressing care systems constantly hurtling ahead. These only endure to the extent that they succeed in maintaining their specific tonicity of restlessness throughout the changes of daily and annual issues. From this perspective, a nation is a collective that succeeds in jointly keeping uncalm, end quote. The political and cultural bodies under the guidance of the few and the elite control incalculably large masses through the maintenance of constant stress on that mass. The constancy is achieved through a micro and macro level approach to stress inducement. Stress is refreshed at all levels by the constant introduction of new inducements to discontent. Using the proliferation of media and information, stress moves at micro and macro levels. Each person lives in macro level stress. Coronavirus replaced fires in Australia, which replaces fires in the Amazon, all of which is going on simultaneously with the madness of current political climates nationally and globally. In the background, for us and in the foreground for others, is the unending violence of necessary interventions, and so on and so on and so on. At the micro level and concurrent with the macro level, panic is the circumstance of each person embedded in the circumstance of each family in regards to economics, education, health, and so on. Even pleasure becomes a source of stress. And all of these issues, at both the micro level and the macro level, are of infinite significance. They are all important, vital, worthy of profound attention. And because of this profound importance, naturally and understandably, the nexus for a stress experience. Slaughterdyke argues in the book that the stress experience has now become a mechanism of control and manipulation of populations that are otherwise incontrollable. The manipulation of these stress bubbles and the inducement to constant and distracted panic is a grave threat to freedom. What is the mechanism to maintaining psychological freedom in both a manipulated and illegitimate setting of uncertainty and stress? The answer rests in a concept that he introduces at the beginning of the book, Thalmazane, the ancient Greek concept of the astonished pause for reflection before an unheard of object. Running along a parallel track to the very real existential experience of uncertainty and the accompanying dread, there needs to be a track wherein the mind can pause, can step outside of itself, or, better yet, can be forcefully pulled outside itself in a way that gives it pause, that arrests it, that allows it to rest and reflect. Art is one such mechanism. Art puts forth puts before the mind an object that induces wonder and desire, that arrests the mind from its normal functioning, bathes it in a perspective unknown to its own perspective. And in this experience there is rest and reflection and relief. It is not that art applies the salve that cures coronavirus. It is not that art lowers temperatures around the world or bales encroaching seawater from island shores. It is not that art throws water on burning expanses of rainforest. It does none of these, but what art does for all, at least potentially, as do other mechanisms of reflection, is remove the mind in the moment from constant panic and, as a state of being, from the control that panic can create by teaching it of the experience of a psychological space it once tasted outside the state of fear. 
And once tasted, one has the echo of that taste in one's being. One knows existentially that there are other mental states beyond fear and trembling. And once one knows that there is more to experience than fear, one can potentially be free. One can think with a certain amount of clarity. One has the potential of not being controlled. Art is a tool of and for provoking wonder and therefore freedom. This being so, it is a necessary tool in the human experience. Then and only then can these very real problems be properly addressed. Thanks so much for listening to the Cleveland Review of Books podcast. I'd like to first thank Alive of Muamine Collective for providing the awesome intro beats to our episodes. I'd like to also thank our advisor, Matt Richmond, and my friend Joe Mastantoni, who doubles as our podcast editor, for all of their audio and radio advice. I'd like to give a special shout out to some of our friends in the community, namely Max Bax Books, Visible Voice Books, Logo Mary Books, Belt, Literary Cleveland, The Loop Cafe, The Magellan, Barnhouse Collective, Cleveland Scene, Morning of Black Star, Moormine Collective, The Robin Blake Experience, and The Hildebrand Artist Collective. This has been Real, signing off, Billy Lennon. Thanks so much for listening to the Cleveland Rubik's Podcast. Take care.